0: You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Ellen and Shannon F.
1: So I gotta start off right with an email, Shannon.
0: You were starting off with dancing. I was watching. Yes,
1: you. I am. And then I'm but gonna go and, ahead with your email. And then I'm gonna go straight into the sexy marriage radio getaway information. Because <laughs> I think I think our listeners need to know. Um,
0: I think our listeners need to be grabbing a pen and paper. That's
1: right. That's a heads up. Yep. So here's an email, though, that some we just got within a couple of days. Um, I had to write to tell you how much I love the podcast. I'm so far behind on all my other podcasts because all I want to do is listen to Sexy Marriage Radio.
0: All I want to do. I've shared it with
1: several friends as well. We've been stuck in a rut for a while in lots of aspects of our marriage. Listening to the show has helped me see how to communicate and how we don't in some cases. I really love the early shows about expectations and sexuality and otherwise. It's made me realize sometimes I have unrealistic expectations and project that unfairness onto my husband. Anyway, I just want to tell you to keep up the good work.
0: What a great acknowledgement on her that part. That is. That's you a great girl. It's a
1: great realization because how often do we do that?
0: We self sabotage. Yeah. We so self sabotage. Those projection issues are so not fair. So not fair.
1: <laughs> they sure are. And so. Also, for the tease that I gave right at the very beginning of the Sexy Marriage Radio getaway, uh, we have some dates, right? We
0: do. We that do. We, we have we set have up. We hammered down so, September 17th through the 20th. Mark yep. your calendars. Of
1: 2015. So we're doing early fall yep. in the Dallas-Fort Worth area.
0: Yep. Location still to be determined. Exactly. But it's definitely going to be in that area. We're going to start at 7 p.m. Thursday night. And we're going to go through noon on Sunday, but there's going to be lots of alone time for you and your spouse to reconnect and not just sit and listen to a lecture by me and Corey. We're going to let you make it a laboratory in (laughs) your hotel room. absolutely.
1: Not boring.
0: (laughs) 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 Cha-ching! So it really will be like a a, a sex-like-you're-on-vacation type of experience because you will be. It, It definitely... We called it a getaway, not yep. a workshop. We yep. don't want it to feel like work. We want it to feel like a retreat, a sex retreat.
1: Yep. So if you like Sexy Marriage Radio and what we do here and you want more detailed, more hands-on with your spouse, pun intended, and more uh, just inf- information so that we can kind of unpack things even more than we do on a 30-minute show, Plan on coming September 17th through 20th because it's going to be a fantastic time. Great location. That's why we haven't nailed it down yet, but we're going to find a great spot. And space is limited. So once registration starts, uh, if you're interested, you better get in first or you may Absolutely. miss your spot.
0: Absolutely. You know what I'm most excited about? Tell me. That we finally get to put faces and names together. We hear from so many different That's listeners, true. and I'll bet—I mean, some several of them have said, "Let me know as soon as you have it booked. I'm signing up." Yep. So I'm, I'm really excited about getting to to know some of our listeners. Yeah,
1: I think it's it's going to be a great weekend together, and I, I'm I, I'm all, I, I can't wait already. Can I sign up now? <laughs>
0: You're in. Oh, You're in like this. Yes, wet. I made it.
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, if you are interested in this or got some questions and w- want to be at, you know, keep pay attention to the future shows and we'll get more information, obviously. But if you also got any questions on topics for the show or things to express or cover in more detail, please send us an email, feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. We, uh, we do read everything that comes through. Uh, we Those are future shows lots of times and then also Uh, if it's something that's a little more private offline we'll take care of it uh, off the air and, and just do emails back and forth and we love being a resource and we also ask if you like what we have going on jump on iTunes give us a review give us five stars give us comments that helps spread the word because we want this message to get as far as possible that married sex is the hotbed for fantastic sex so with that being said I believe uh my fair co-host has a soapbox that she she's she's ramped up today. I'm just gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and spill it that she's amped up, and I'm I'm I can see her you know via the beauties of technology and webcam, and she's already bouncing off the wall. So I, I think we can't take any more time other than let's go.
0: It it's not the coffee that I'm holding in my hand, <laughs> and it, it, but you can see the smoke rolling out of my ears, can't you? Yes. Yes. I've had a couple of coaching experiences over the one is just over the past week. The other has been over the past couple of years that I wanted to just unpack with our listeners as my way of encouraging them to consider what their family of origin issues are doing to their current sexuality and also what their comfort or lack thereof with their own sexuality is doing to their children in their family of origin, because the married couples that we talk to, That is their children's family of origin.
1: Right, right. So all the intergenerational processes is what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let me just kind of paint the picture. You know, Corey, I know that I have said it over and over and over again about how sexual fantasies are really just our brain's way of trying to heal itself from past either trauma or disappointment or disillusionment or whatever. And I wanted to just share uh, tidbits of this anonymous coaching session to help bring that concept home, okay. to help people understand just how important it actually is to not just understand the concept of what sexual fantasies, what role they play, but to embrace it. Okay. It plays that role for a reason. God wired our brains this way for a reason. But I heard from a woman this week, um, been married over 40 years. Um, so basically, she's been married twice as long as she was single at right. this point in her life. Right. But yet, she's still Still, tons of kids later, tons of grandkids later, she's still wrestling with her sexual freedom in the marriage bed. Okay. And as we unpacked this over a two-hour span of time, she proceeded to inform me that the, the fantasy that she wrestles with is basically just the image of watching a man and woman have sex who are having an extramarital encounter. So, it's an adulterous okay. relationship that she
1: that's the fantasy is voyeuristic this, that's to. The, okay.
0: That's the fantasy. She's beating herself up like crazy. Doesn't feel as if she could admit that to her husband. She even went to a, quote, deliverance retreat, unquote. And I'm not talking about the Burt Reynolds. <laughs> right. <you know. laughs> we're, not, we're not talking
1: about backwoods. Fear.
0: We're not talking about banjos gotcha. and, and okay. squealing pigs and all that. I'm talking about... Uh, my guess is we're going to lay hands on you and cast the sexual demons out of you. I think you okay. had a little song that you were going to play in the background for me to, kinda, <laughs> to yeah, kind of
1: Yeah, uh, I'm afraid imagine imagine style. dragons might come after us with their demon song. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah.
0: So as we unpack this further, um what she explained to me is that it was this deliverance retreat was actually successful. She did not entertain that fantasy or find herself aroused by that thought for a period of two full years.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: You want to know what else happened during those two full years? Yes, I do. She was not aroused at all. Shocker. Yeah. Libido, (laughs) out the window. They didn't have sex. The two go hand in hand. We can't stress that enough. Right. You lead with your mind yes. and your body follows. Yes. And if you shut your mind down and refuse to go there in your head, your body is not going to want to go there either. Right. And so I started asking more questions about her earliest formative years and what type of information she was given about sexuality. She was never given the talk. She went right into marriage as a late teenager, totally unprepared. Another not another that. shocker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> raised in a very um conservative uh i'll just i'll refrain from saying which particular denomination because i don't want to sound as if i'm bashing that particular denomination because there's good things about all denominations i don't say wouldn't exist in the first place but let's just say it was a very legalistic Mm -hmm. experience that she had with religion and with parents and that her mom and dad Never kissed, never hold hands. She says she thinks that she remembers maybe her dad kissing her mom on the cheek when he was leaving for a long business trip one time. Okay. But even when the Waltons came on television, if there was any type of intimacy where somebody hugged or someone got kissed on the cheek or someone reached out to hold a hand, her dad would yell, Turn that off. Turn that off.
1: Okay.
0: So it really instilled the message that. Sexual intimacy, emotional intimacy, tenderness, affection is, is embarrassing. That, that was the word that she used. She said, I feel as if any type of emotion or affection was embarrassing to my parents. And therefore, I never saw it. Okay. So guess what it is to her? Same thing. She's continuing the conversation yeah. in her head. It's embarrassing to her that she has any thought whatsoever. But the fact that it's an adulterous relationship, she's just so ridden with guilt and shame. However, if you're raised with, with parents who demonstrate to you that no intimacy is happening in this relationship, so don't even think what we might be doing in the bedroom because we don't do anything remotely close to that in the living room or kitchen or anywhere else in the house, where else would your fantasies have to go? You're not going to fantasize about married sex because you've been taught that married sex doesn't happen. Right. Except for maybe procreation. Right. So, of course, her natural fantasy would gravitate toward... Uh, the illicit nature of a couple being forbidden, you know, indulging in forbidden fruit. I find that very, very sad that she is so racked with guilt and shame over this, though. It, it totally makes sense when you back up and look at the big picture. But she said, I'm afraid to tell my husband for fear that he's going to say, you're being unfaithful to me. Just don't even, you know, we're just not even going to have sex if that's the thought you have to entertain in order to reach orgasm. I challenged her that I could not fathom any man would be that legalistic that, that that may be what was in her dad's head, but I can't fathom that that's really what's in her husband's head. Mm-hmm. And I challenged her. Tell him if, if you need to, if, if you just feel the need to be open and honest and vulnerable, tell him. But if he has a problem with it, I will give you a free coaching session so that we can talk this through so he can understand what this fantasy really means. That it doesn't mean that she actually wants an adulterous affair. It doesn't mean she endorses adultery. It simply is her brain's way of compartmentalizing the pain of having an intimacy phobic family of origin long enough to make room for the pleasure of sexual intimacy in her marriage.
1: I wonder, I have an idea, but I wonder what's going on with husband during the two years of no sex in his fantasy life?
0: Oh, good question.
1: I mean, cause that's, I... y- y- you have to assume, cause I mean, this is, this is the way I think of it. If you look at it in the systemic mindset, that if, if you have a spouse that has a phobia, a fear, a disconnect to something that you're doing in an intimate realm, most of the time, you know, that, you know, you, you, as the, as the other spouse, you're like, wait, you're not in, you're not engaged in this. You're not, you know, it's where just, are you? Yeah, it's just your body. You know, your mind is nowhere. Or man, your 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 face looks like it's just racked with guilt and shame. And it's just that whole that's when then the other spouse is faced with, okay, do I acknowledge that and change the dynamic because that impacts me? Or do I just act like I don't see it and continue to get what I'm getting and be okay with that? And I mean that's the whole dynamic that happens. And so that's where I'm wondering. If she gets desire squashed, in a sense, because she's trying to get rid of these illicit fantasies, what's going on with him during that time frame when it's squashed?
0: It makes me wonder if his sexual fantasies weren't oozing out in all different places, like biscuit dough out of a can.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a visual.
0: (laughs) I mean, there are certain things that you... Can't stop it from leaking out, and I do think that sexual desire is one of those things. It well, has to have an outlet somehow, somewhere, some way.
1: Yeah, I, I just think I, I want to think of the whole term of just desire in general, because religion has done a very poor job of trying to squash desire in the name of sanctification, and it's so bad.
0: As if. The way that God wired our brains was a total accident, mistake, recall issued on all human brains. Right. God, God knew what he was doing. I think he knew that because we would grow up in broken families of origin in a fallen world, our brains would need to be able to compartmentalize pain in order to experience pleasure. Yeah. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. Stop looking at it as a burden when it's a blessing. Right. Stop being your own worst enemy in your own head, in your own skin, with your own sexuality and robbing not just yourself but also your marriage partner right. of all that fulfillment and ecstasy and just that erotic connection that we all long to have as human beings. But if anybody tells you that they as a Christian can deliver you from your sexual desires, run my advice to you is run, run Run at breakneck speed. Yeah. Right next speed.
1: Right. Because, I mean, th- but think about it, just it, take the sexual connotation out of desire. What is, I mean, desires produce good things. That's that's what draws us to the beauties of life. That's what draws us to God. That's what draws us to other people. That's what draws us to service. That's what draws us to all kinds of things.
0: It's also what draws us to survival yep. because our brain is comprised of four pleasure centers, food, water, sleep, and sex. You don't feel guilty when you get hungry. You don't feel guilty when you get thirsty you don't feel guilty when you get sleepy so why would you feel guilty when you get horny you can be horny and holy at the same time yep. stop trying to repress this as if you could successfully for any real length of time and just embrace it just like you enjoy good food you enjoy a glass of water or wine or whatever is your pleasure just like you enjoy a good night's sleep Enjoy the thoughts that roll around in your head without any panic. You're going to run run out and act those out. We don't fantasize about things that we actually want. We fantasize about things that are totally forbidden that we wouldn't want. That's just kind of the nature of how our brain operates. But enjoy the energy that it creates. Just channel all that sexual energy into your marriage bed. And I bet your spouse will love that. And she said, how can that possibly be intimate, though, for me to be thinking about a different couple entirely instead of my husband. I said, look, you're not like assigning a particular couple into that. You're not thinking of like Tom and Jane that sits behind you at church, right? You're not thinking of your next door neighbors. Like this is, this is, these are just figments of your imagination. These are not real people. Right. And she agreed. It's not that she's fantasizing about a particular couple. It's just, you know, as I said, figments of imagination. so I said, how is it that you think that that isn't intimate. I said, what if you were even able to verbalize to your husband the truth about what's going on in your head, just to give him an opportunity to catch up with you? Because that may seem arousing to him too, in that moment. I think that that is the definition of intimacy into me. You see, I'm even going to let you see what's going on between my two ears right now. Right. Even though it may be embarrassing, even though it may be awkward and uncomfortable, I'm being vulnerable and very, very real with you. And that, in my opinion, is hot.
1: Okay, so I, I want i just want to challenge one word, just because I'm thinking of the other side of the equation of people that are like they haven't made the leap to where you and I are, or for sure where okay. you are in this arena. <laughs> so okay. it's the whole idea of enjoy those thoughts, because if if you had so much guilt, so much shame, so much negative connotation, it's really hard to flip that switch. To where you could just all sudden now, I'm going to enjoy it. So I would just... Believe
0: me, believe me. I have not been in this enjoyment stage my whole life. This has only been... Since i researched for the fantasy fallacy and understood the scientific way that the brain functions, that's when I decided I'm getting rid of all guilt and shame about fantasies. Okay.
1: And I, I would just say, if you have trouble making that leap change let's let's limit it just a little bit to where okay ex- suspend judgment to those fantasies and just okay. let those go where they go and see okay wait why am i so averse to that why what is it about that because usually there's a root to it of some sort and if you can take away the judgment maybe you can follow that path to its conclusion and that will not necessarily eliminate the fantasy it would allow it to steer to where you want it to go instead
0: so, to- and isn't that the definition of taking thoughts captive yes. and making them obedient to Christ? Yes. It's not that you never have the thought in the first place. It's not that that thought doesn't create energy in your body. It's that you don't act that thought out, and you channel all that sexual energy in the direction that God intended, and that's in the marriage bed. Right. That's taking a thought captive and right. making it obedient. Right but I don't want to stop with this particular scenario because I also want to explain uh, some of the work that I've been doing with a single coaching client who is in her late thirties that basically had the same family of origin issues. Her parents had several children. And so there wasn't a lot of affection to go around because they were just so busy with this huge crew of kids. And she doesn't ever remember sitting in a parent's lap. She doesn't remember being held at night or caressed or cuddled. She remembers maybe getting a pat on the head or a kiss on top of the head, mm-hmm. but it was so rare. And so she also went into adulthood with her conservative parents, uh, making sure that she understood that courtship is the appropriate way to pursue relationships, not dating. So she read the I Kiss Dating Goodbye book. <laughs> okay. and. And every time a guy asked her out, she wanted to just establish on the very first date, what are your intentions? And just really recognizes now that she's been sending the signals for almost 20 years of dating. And there hasn't been that much (laughs) dating. What there has been, she's sending the signal that she is also very intimacy phobic. Right. She's very uncomfortable if he even... Tries to like open a door for her and put her his hand on her back to right. usher her through a door, even that will make her cringe. And she said, I know he sees my shoulders arch back as if to say, What are you doing back there? Right. And what do you think that that communicates to the guy?
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I went a whole different route when you started talking about the what are your intentions. I would love to know what would happen if he actually honestly announced him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if 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 he were to just straight up front say, you know what, my intentions are to go as far as I possibly can with you on this date until you tell me to stop, you know, or just.
0: And, and then to test the theory. Right. And then the to see if theory, a no is really no a really no. Me.
1: And I mean, just to totally just be brutally honest of this is what I'm going to this is my plan, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, by the time she got around to asking that question, he would probably respond with, "My intention is to wrap this date up as soon as possible." <laughs> it's, there is no way that I'm going to have the energy to yeah. push you up the sexual hill. Yeah. By the time we're married, that I'm I'm tired already. Right. I'm 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 exhausted at just the notion of trying to get close to you. Yeah. And so here she is in her late 30s, wondering, "Did I not only kiss dating goodbye? Did I also kiss marriage goodbye?" Right. I kiss sexual intimacy goodbye? Did I kiss motherhood goodbye? So all that to say, we're not just speaking to husbands and wives on Sexy Marriage Radio. We realize we're also speaking to moms and dads. Right. Of very young, impressionable children. And you want them to be comfortable in their own skin and comfortable with intimacy. Right. Hold them.
1: Right. Touch
0: them. Caress them. Kiss them in an appropriate way. Yep. Hey, no child ever complained that their parents gave him too much affection. I've never heard that complaint from a single client. Have you?
1: No, I'm not, not articulated that way. I think there's not, some, not
0: unless there was sexual abuse involved well, or something. I mean, that's obvious. But
1: that, yeah. That's, that's a totally inappropriate, but no, not, not articulated in it's coming from a healthy standpoint of look, affection and touch is an important part of growing and becoming solid.
0: No. Yeah, I, I remember back to when my kids were really little, and Matthew's favorite line as I was tucking him in at night, "Mommy, nuggle with me two minutes." Oh, hey, okay? that was his thing. He just yeah. wanted to snuggle for yeah. two minutes. Yeah, my heart would melt. I don't remember the day that he outgrew that, because you, know, you never know when that is going like to be. The he last was like 20 21 <laughs> well, He turns twenty this month. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's still, I mean, he, even at 20 years old, he will hug his mama. Yep. He will kiss his mama on the cheek to thank me for doing stuff for him. Like it's normal yep. for us to be affectionate because if you can't be affectionate in your own family of origin, where are you safe?
1: Right. And well, and just in general, intimacy gets a bad rap, you know, in, in society that.
0: We have really villainized it.
1: It has. I mean, I was teaching class the other day and I was going along this, this line, you know, there's like 150 people in the, in the class I'm teaching. And I was going along the lines of intimacy has two components to it. It's knowing another, but it's also being known that if you don't have both, you can't be intimate. So too often we think of intimacy as just knowing somebody else, you know, like, oh, I've, I've seen more of you. So now I'm intimate, but no, I haven't shown any of me. And so through all that conversation one of the one of the women in the in the room she kind of came back at me with a a little uh, ruffled feathers i guess on, on something i'd said about parenting or something and and so she was kind of holding her ground and letting it be known what she thought and i'm coming back at her with what i thought and at the end of it i said hey you know what We're actually intimate right now. And she cringed at that. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that. That's nothing inappropriate with that. That's not a sexual thing. That's just an intimate thing.
0: Right. We're face to face, voice to voice, eye to eye. You and I are even that way via Skype. Yep. In this moment, there's nothing wrong. No. Intimacy. No. Human beings are wired for this. And why are we wired for this? I think this is exactly what God wants. Yeah. God wants to experience intimacy with his people. Yep. But if we're so intimate intimacy phobic with each other, with other human beings, especially our own spouse and kids, how can we really be comfortable being intimate with God? Right. That that that's a really good question to wrestle with in your quiet time. Yep. You know, of just how intimate am I really with God if I'm not even comfortable being intimate with someone who looks like me, is shaped like me, thinks like me another human being.
1: Right. So, uh, so. let's go. I, I wanted to go two paths as we kind of start r- closing this thing out. Okay. One is how to, wh- what's our advice or thoughts to the person that has recognized their own family of origin for themselves? On, on Okay. The, you know, hey, they, they've listened to this far on Sexy Marriage Radio and they're like, hey, Shannon's talking to me here. That's, it's like, I'm, I'm the client. Hey, wait. I'm, you know, and it's kind of hitting a deeper level.
0: Free coaching and right then, here. And
1: then the second <laughs> is, What do we say? What's our thoughts for parents?
0: Okay, as far as if you didn't get this level of intimacy that we're encouraging in your own family of origin, uh, I mean, I've been working with client with this client for two years on helping her get comfortable. I I would frequently remind her, "I want you to look at me in the face as we talk today. I want you to try to look at me in the eye for longer than you're comfortable with. Get yourself out of your comfort zone." I had even told her that at one point. I am going to insist that, uh, I mean, this, this sounds really, really awkward, but this is the freedom that I have as a coach versus a counselor. A counselor can't do this, but I've known this girl for 15 years. So if we have, you know, a right. friendship in the background too, but I told her at one point, if you're comfortable with it and when you're ready for it, I will have you um, recline to where your head is in my lap and you and I will talk as if, you know, like, yeah. you know, like you might be on a date that's like the tenth date and now you're ready to move to a next level and you're talking on a more deep intimate level and, and so she's been like I'm good with that I'm good with that but it's taken two years I mean right. so just find a friend mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a counselor or a mm-hmm. coach it can be a friend it can be it can actually be a parent her mom came into town for a visit and she actually was able to verbalize to her mom we were so busy as kids there were so many of us I don't feel as if I got enough of you could. Could I could you and I watch this movie and could I lay on the couch with my head in your lap? My coach is recommending that I begin getting comfortable with this level of intimacy with somebody in my life. And her mom was very, very touched and happy and even stroked her hair and she said it just laid there and cried. Yeah. That she it just it so filled her cup. Yeah. So get vulnerable and start asking for what you need in safe places and safe arenas. So that when you have the opportunity with a man or a woman someday, you won't it it won't feel so foreign to you.
1: Right. I like that um, cuz it's I, I like the start with the with the eye contact.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um and okay so as far as parents go, same thing. You know what? I don't care how long it's been since you held your kid in your lap. Have them come over and and just, you know, pat your thighs and say, "Come here, talk to me about your day." Or, you know, we're going to watch this TV show together and you put your head in in your kid's lap. You know, I I, I distinctly remember that brought back such a cool memory for me. I remember when I was like 16, my grandmother came for a visit and she asked me to, to sit down on my bed and she laid across it and put her head in my lap and handed me the tweezers and said, my eyesight's not good enough for me to pluck my own eyebrows anymore. Will you do it for me? it was the most intimate moment yeah. that I had ever had with my grandmother, but it felt so cool yeah. that she trusted me. Yeah. So it's all about trust. It's all about vulnerability. It's about openness. It's about two people acting with integrity and meeting each other's deepest emotional mm-hmm. needs and spiritual needs for connection without threat of harm. Right. It's okay. It's not villainized. It's not a demon. It's you don't need to be uh, delivered from the desire to be intimate with other human beings. It's- especially your own spouse and kids.
1: Yeah. And let me add this caveat to it because it is important to realize that intimacy is just as likely to produce uncomfortable feelings as it is comfortable ones.
0: At first. Yes.
1: Yes. Well, I think, I think all along the process, because as more of more, as more and more of me is revealed, there's, there is a sense of, I'm not really comfortable in this. And we can often interpret that discomfort as it's wrong. And as long as I'm going through my moral compass of, Look, I'm still acting for my own integrity here and I'm being intimate with somebody else and I'm not manipulating the situation to do something inappropriate or get a, meet, a need met out of emptiness or anxiety. You know, it's the, that's where that's our own crucible, if you will, of growth.
0: Yeah, and I'm not forcing this on anyone. Right. I intend absolutely no harm. I'm I'm lucid enough to know when my boundary is being crossed so I'm I'm right. not putting myself in jeopardy right. that this is what humans are wired for. It's
1: all above board. That's the main thing. It's it's all out in the open and even going back to something we talked about a couple shows ago of just the idea of 4 minutes of eye contact of just gazing into each other's eyes.
0: Holding each other face to face. That can Absolutely. go
1: that can that can open up new avenues for yourself let alone your relationship. Yeah. yeah. So, how, how's the soapbox, Shannon? You feeling thanks. pretty good? I,
0: yeah, my, my feet don't feel quite as slippery anymore. <laughs> I feel like I can step down off my soapbox and exhale. Well,
1: glad, glad to give thank you that you. opportunity. <laughs> <laughs>
0: thank you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time out of your day to listen to us for wherever you've been and whatever you're doing. I appreciate that you, uh, we're honored every time we get invited into your world. And thank you. That's all we can say. So.
0: And go to SexyMarriageRadio.com to learn more about our Sexy Marriage Radio getaway. Yep,
1: there'll be more info coming. Love it. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope it leads to more intimate moments with those that you love most.
0: And we love you for listening.
1: Yep, we'll see you next time.